Hi, filibuster fans. This is Ben, and it is about 8.40 on Wednesday night. Uh, You're about to hear our interview with Laurel Failer of The Athletic. We recorded it on Monday night, and since then, a lot has happened with regards to COVID-19 and whether or not uh, MLS will play games this weekend. As of now, it looks like the games are still on. We know that DC United will be taking a charter flight to Cincinnati because MLS teams were mandated to do so. Uh, We know that Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio had a press conference. Uh, We don't know yet if that means that DC United will play this game behind closed doors, Uh, but we still wanted to release the episode uh, uh, assuming that the games continue, and we wanted to give you some regular filibuster levity in the face of everything that's happening in the world right now. So enjoy. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Hey, welcome in to the second episode of the week of Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always, of course, by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. DC United go on the road for the first time this season, heading to the Bromley homelands, in fact, to visit Nippert Stadium and FC Cincinnati. The Orange and Blue will be seeking their first points of 2020 as they try to avoid repeating their wooden spoon winning season last year in their expansion year. Uh, Watch the game, by the way, Saturday, uh, 5.30 p.m. uh, DCUnited.com will stream it. ESPN Plus will stream it. Or you can watch it on an old-fashioned television set if you own one of those. Uh, WJLA 24-7 News is where you can do that. Laurel Failer covers FC Cincinnati for The Athletic, and she has, for some reason, agreed to come back on the show and help us preview this one. Laurel, welcome back to Filibuster. Thanks for having me. I'm always happy to talk to anyone that likes to talk about Skyline, which I remember we did last time. So <laughs> It's delicious. You got to call it pasta sauce. If you call it pasta sauce, I have no objection, but it's not chili. Well, that's I'm what sorry. Joe Burrow calls it. <laughs> it's delicious uh, regardless of what you call it. So it's really not. No, if it you call really it chili, is. that's not, it, it's this, an expectations game, Ben. This is a free spot on the bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get a uh, four way with onions. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's too much sugar in it too. I'm sorry. It, there really is. Cinnamon. Anyway, Laura, what are you drinking? Cinnamon. 
Uh, I actually just have water. <laughs> so I, so do I. I have these two hard iced teas that FC Cincinnati gave out at their media days that I've been saving. I, they, we obviously weren't going to drink it at me, media day. And then I was on all this medicine for like 10 days. So I'm finally off my medicine and I really should be drinking that right now. But I didn't think about that. <laughs> I need United, more information on this. I, I, I have gotten a beer from DC United before in my press capacity, uh, along with a, a tap pull when they partnered with a brewery to create a, a team branded beer. But I've never gotten hard iced tea. Well, I would like to take credit for the reason they had that for us. Um, as you know, probably uh, we've been going through a lot of uh, just Hard news to report with FC Cincinnati and their cooking <laughs> yeah. change and everything. And so I kind of joked to the PR person that, hey, you're going to have to bring some alcohol to, to media <laughs> day this year. And she's like, well, you know, we actually do have a new drink, that a new drink sponsor. So maybe we'll bring some to test out. <laughs> so she came through with it, but nobody could actually like drink it there. We all just took some right. to take home. But yeah, I should be drinking that right now. <laughs> I almost forgot I had it. So glad you asked that well, question. Now I know it's there. There you go. Something for after the show. Um, you mentioned the hard news uh, for, for FC Cincinnati, and we're just going to dive right into that. Um, explain to our listeners who who somehow haven't heard what happened with Ron Jans and why he's no longer with FCC. Okay, well, um, when they were, they, so they basically opened their preseason in Arizona, and um, at some point, some kind of later in the trip, um, we, he says that he was singing along with a song in the locker room, but he came out and said a, a racial slur, whether he was singing it or not, doesn't really matter, but um the one of the I guess a player or players complained to the um, MLSPA and they took it to the league and decided with FC Cincinnati um, that they were going to go on and investigate and basically through the investigation they kind of realized and Ron Jans even kind of realized through the investigation that you know some of the things maybe he had used as um, motivational speeches or even just things that he had said to players, like maybe wasn't so normal. Um, he is from the Netherlands. So um, not that certain words that are here that are not okay. They're not necessarily okay over there either, but um, just, I guess he just felt like he either had lost the locker room or he couldn't be himself. And so he went on and resigned and FC Cincinnati, I guess, you know, they felt like that was the best thing for the team to just to move on. And so, yeah, that happened 14, about two weeks before the start of the season. So I guess it was 12, actually. Um, yeah. You know, exactly so, when you want to change your coach. Not, yeah, yeah not, <laughs> not good timing. So, um, so they're in the middle of a coaching search. I, I do think they want to bring in someone as soon as they can, but... I mean, things are looking really positive for the team, just with some of their um, recent additions that they've added to the roster. And 
then that came out and it's just it's going to affect the team until they have a new coach and know kind of what what's going on moving forward so that's where we're at so unlike most interim coaches you actually we actually have a body of work for uh fc cincinnati's interim coach because this is his second stint as interim coach um how does he differ from ron Jans and and how does he approach the game well yohan de may um he when he took over this role last year when alan Koch was fired um he was this young guy that no one like you said no one really knew anything about him um but he at least had the locker you know they he was an assistant um the last year of usl play and so the a lot of the team was familiar with him um he had a clear way that he wanted to play and he really wanted to uh, focus on building up the attack through the back and possessing and um, everyone kind of felt with Alan Koch it had kind of changed game to game they never really felt like they had an identity so he immediately at least gave them that and then the way he was playing was the way that uh, the new general manager that came in a few weeks later was hired um, actually came on board right at the end of July was when he was able to move over here Gerard Nijkamp um, also from the Netherlands um, he he really wanted to play that Dutch style of possessing possessing and just building up through the back um, so it, it was a good transition and then Ron Jans came and he kind of tweaked it a little bit put his own little spin on it um, and then everyone was pretty comfortable with that and they really were able to build their roster around that this year. So at least this year, this time when Johan Deme is going into this situation, no, he already has the system. He, they've been, they had been preparing the way they wanted to play. They had the players that he needed. Um, so now it's just implementing it. And um, really his biggest task right now is that they had all these late additions to the roster that were either one of them still hasn't even been with the team yet. Um, Sim Diong uh, from Ajax, uh, he was their last signing just a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's been still getting his paperwork handled for his work visa. Um, so really, it's, he's just, Yohan is trying to get these guys integrated in with the team and just, they're all attacking players. So just getting that chemistry, learning where these guys like to move around and, and their tendencies and that that sort of thing. So that's a different role than I guess last year when he was just really trying to create a positive attitude around the locker room and hey, we're going to play this way and we're going to change it this way. And now he already has that all in place. So that's at least one positive. So Laurel, speaking of those new players, one of them, uh, Jurgen Lokadia, is on kind of an interesting contract. It, he's on a five-month loan, but it seems like then his contract is just com- completely expires. But he's here as a designated player from a Premier League team. So what what are the expectations for him? And do you think they uh, that Cincinnati is a shoe in to keep him after May, or is it really up in the air? It seems to me like he's going to end up staying. FC Cincinnati, I mean, they can already see that he is the kind of player that they want. Um, he's just, I mean, he came in in 25 minutes and did more than Fernando Adi did all year last year. 
um, just right. with the number of chances he created and had one goal, which I guess Fernando Adi also had one goal last year. But um, yeah, he's actually, <laughs> his contract is Brighton. <laughs> his contract is Brighton is actually through 2022. So, um, oh, okay. Never mind that. So, yeah. So, but the loan goes through because he was going to be on loan. He was on loan um, in the Bundesliga and um Hoffenheim, I think. Yeah. Um and he just wasn't it was kinda weird. I don't know what exactly happened there. He came in and scored right away, had some good games and then was sent right to the bench and he's like, No, I you know, I I came here to play. So um I see Cincinnati um he was familiar with um Gerard Nykamp and so he interested in coming over here and clearly knew he would get playing time. So, um, yeah, the five month loan will take him to the end of June. And that's normally obviously when the contracts expire over there, but, um, that was when his loan with Hoffenheim was going to be up. So he just basically FC Cincinnati kind of just took over that loan and then they want to extend it if he's okay with, if he likes it. And, it seems like that's where it's going to be headed. That he'll he'll end up staying here, but got to get to that point and make sure everyone's happy by by the end of the loan. Uh, Laurel, I noticed a change this past weekend. Um, Adrian Regatine was brought in. It seemed like he was brought in with the mi- the mindset of being uh, first choice. Um, he started the first game, and then. This second game at Atlanta, it was uh, Joe Giao, uh starting over him instead. Um, what's the dynamic there? Is Gao maybe pushing for that role, or, or is there something else at play here? Um, actually, Regatin had a hamstring issue that week. Um, okay. So he actually, I think it was Wednesday, he didn't practice, and then Thursday um, he was cheating and stuff off to the side so you could kind of see well he's at least you know doing something so i kind of figured they were going to probably put him on the bench um i think they wanted to see Giles. i think he's got some promise and can provide um you know he he had a pretty he started off a little bit slow last year when he came came in late but then i mean you saw some promising moments for him and so I think they want to give him chances um, and Regatin just not being full go. I guess they wanted to kind of hold him off. And then um, then you saw Regatin come in and he comes in in the 61st minute. And then they finally, they get a goal three minutes later that he's got the assist on. So um, he, Regatin, I think is, he's an interesting player. He's just so quick and he just moves all over the place. And I think they really like, his versatility. Um, he's having a little bit of a hard time adjusting because he's um, he's not um, his English isn't great, so um, he speaks French on the field most of the time. Um, but the right back um, Matthew Dupont speaks French, and then Yohan Demay speaks French, so. It's working like he's at least, you know, able to communicate with those guys on the field. Um, and then everything else is kind of body language. But he's taking classes every day and um, really working to to be able to speak English better. So he's an interesting addition, though, for sure. 
another addition uh, this year was Yuya Kubo, who actually gave us our first look at the new name and number font. So that's that's one of the ways I'm going to be remembering him going forward. He made Brad Guzan look pretty silly uh, last weekend uh, with with his goal. What are the early returns on on the DP striker from Japan? Oh, that goal was phenomenal. Um, yeah, you're right. He he definitely made. Um, Guzan well, I think Brad Guzan there. helped uh, make himself look yeah. silly, but <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he kind of, yeah, it was like the ball just kind of had this spin to it, but yeah, it was just a great goal. But, um, I was actually, it was, it was nice to see that goal from him, uh, from Yuya because his first game, he just didn't have the greatest game. Um, there were a couple of times that he kind of was waiting on the ball and someone stepped right in front of him and just beat him to a ball in the air. And um, it just wasn't a great start for him. So to have kind of bounce back and, and have a goal like that, um, it shows his promise. Cause I, I, I've heard so many good things. I haven't got to watch him live yet. So I'm looking forward to seeing him on Saturday, but um, yeah, just to be able to, um, to bounce back like that, I think was good for him. And then, um, but we had been hearing so much about, you know, how great this attack was going to be with Tubo and Brigaton and um, Lacadia. And then just to kind of see all those guys really have an impact just in these first two games. Uh, I know they've lost, but the, it's such a difference from last year where you just didn't see these chances coming at all. And I mean, I can't even, there were, Man, I need to look back, but not many games where we even scored two goals, um, which we had in the in the first game, the three and two loss to Red Bulls, and then um, Atlanta. You know that's a tough place to to go and play anytime. So getting on the board like that was at least a positive for FC Cincinnati. So the defense is definitely uh, the offense is definitely improved, but uh, I had some questions about the defense. It looks like at least against Atlanta and Atlanta can make anybody look silly, but it looked like uh transition defense was a problem for the team. It looks like they got uh, the their defensive line got just all kinds of uh, all over themselves and, and gave up some goals is, is the defense something that the team is worried about going into the season? You know, they really shouldn't have been worried about it because I know they gave up a record number of goals last year with 75. Um, but in the games that um, the four starters played together, um, they actually did pretty decent. Um, Greg Garza was hurt most of last year, and when he came right. back at the end, they actually started playing pretty well and ended up with a few clean sheets. And um, <clears throat> Excuse me. And then they actually, you know, went and added some depth to the back line, which, um, so they're, they're too deep in each spot. And uh, I wish, I wish really, uh, your opponent could say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, I don't, I think right now it's just a spacing issue and they've always struggled in transition. Um, they, I mean, the game against Red Bulls to open the season, it was, terrible in the first half but they always struggle against high press teams like that and um so i I thought that maybe they would because they did look better in the second half at red bulls um it seemed like 
oh yeah, maybe they, you know, figured some things out. They'll come out and play some better defense at Atlanta. You know, I think they were a little optimistic not having um, to face <laughs> Yos- um, Joseph Martinez, but you know, they Atlanta obviously still has talent all over the field. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of just exposing some some issues with their spacing and positioning on the back line. Um, I do kind of wonder uh, if we might see Tom Pedersen come in. Um, he was one of their early acquisitions in the off season. Um, and he's been, he was hurt toward the end of um, preseason. And so he's um, been on the bench so far. And I do kind of wonder just, if they keep struggling like this, how quickly they push him in, maybe move Boston to the bench. But um, I don't know. He's their captain. So I don't know that they're going to do that so quickly either, but they definitely need to to figure that out. Um, You know, Spencer Ritchie um, and goal. I think he had a great year last year, got hurt toward the end of of the year. I think it was a back issue. Um, And then, um, we call him TT. I can't say his first name, uh, but it's Teton is, is the other goalie we have. Um, he, I thought he did really well toward the end of last season. And so it was kind of questionable who was going to end up being the starting goalie, goalie at the end of the, or at the beginning of the season. So I also wonder if, if they might switch that up. Um, but yeah, that's been a big question because you also thought that in fixing the attack and adding all these players, um, that the the defense would benefit that there's actually, you know, some offense being created and maybe not so much pressure being put on them. But then you've also got, um, whereas last year we had just a plethora of um, holding midfielders. Everyone was kind of looking at like <laughs> this whole roster is <laughs> defensive <laughs> midfielders. Um, this year it's more attack minded midfielders and we've got Harris Medunit, Dunjanin, if I can ever say that name right, um, he is so great at setting up passes and just setting up the attack. Um, but there is some question as to how good of a defender he's going to be in that spot. So I think they're just kind of figuring out some things with, with that and, and the back line and their positioning. And I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Laurel, it's interesting because, you know, I, I'm looking at the – Cincinnati lineup and the players that are there for that defense uh, and the, and in goal, those are the same guys that were there before. Um, If anything, you would think that the continuity might help, but it seems like that might not be the case uh, right now with this group. Um, What is, what is maybe the most glaring issue with Cincinnati's defense? Why is it that, um, they've still maybe not a struggle like last year, but are still maybe uh, not looking that solid so far. Well, um, part of it is that um, like their, their fullbacks are uh, really getting up field quickly and not being so quick getting back. Um, That's a lot of it. Um, Matthew Duplan, I'm, I've been a little surprised with him this year. Uh, He was, their rock last year um, ended up filling in for Greg Garza on the left side a lot when he was injured. They didn't have a backup for him until Andrew Gutman came in on loan um, in July. And 
so everyone kind of thought, oh, with Deplon being back in his normal natural position on the right, um, you know, not being, you know, he had a long off season to recover from all that he did last year. Um, it was just a long season for him. And he kind of, we did see a little bit of a drop off from him at the end of last year. So I think everyone kind of thought he'd come back and be ready to go. Um, you know, that this line back line would be pretty solid. And I, I just think it's, um, they've got to figure out something with the way that the fullbacks are getting up the field and not getting back so quickly. Um, I kind of wonder if maybe they might want to try like a three-five-two because they're playing this four-three-three mostly. Um, and I just kind of wonder if they had the three backs and then the wing backs kind of playing the way that Stefan and Garza like to play, if it might be better just having those, I don't know. I'm not a coach. Well, if so they I, if I they surprise even... everyone and pull that out, it'll be the second consecutive week somebody does that against DC United. So I, I don't know. I'm almost expecting it at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Cause I think right now they're probably hesitant to change it too much because it, with an interim coach, um, I don't know. Maybe Maybe he feels like he's got some freedom to try some things. But, I mean, everything that he kind of built around last year and that Ron Jans was doing was based out of the four three three. So I don't I don't know, but it they've definitely got to fix something back there because I mean you can't give up. They've given up five goals in two games and they're I mean seventy five goals last year. Everyone kinda of said, No, that's we're not gonna be that team this year and then here we are doing the same things we struggled with last year. So So what's a uh a fair outlook for this season. Do you think they can get the defense sorted and, and move ahead uh, even with DeMay in that interim position, or is this going to be a a second lost year in a row? Are they going to repeat as wooden, wooden spoon holders? Um, I mean, I think they're going to do everything they can to avoid that. I definitely think that that's kind of pushing, the timeline on getting a new coach in that, um, you know, they, they trust the may obviously, cause they're giving them a second chance at running this team. But, um, I think that they know that they just have to get someone in there quicker this year. It took, let's see, Yoan took over beginning of May last year and Ron Jans came in right at the beginning of August. So that was an exceptionally long, coaching search that also included a new GM coming in and they're not going to have that issue. You know, Gerard Nijkamp is already here and uh, has his list of, he, he says it's a pretty good, um, he feels good about the pool that they've got to look at. Um, so I, I did ask him, cause that was what I was curious is, are you going to, are you tied to the four, three, three? Like, does this new coach have to play this exact same way? And it's basically they want to play the same kind of style, but they're not tied to the 4-3-3. So maybe they do bring in a coach that maybe will change up the way they're playing in the back and be able to figure out just getting that positioning um, more stable. And, um, yeah, I don't see this being – I don't know. I guess maybe I'm just – you're looking at the roster and it can't be, it has to be better than, than last year. So, I mean, they, <laughs> they brought in these great attacking players that we, that was the 
the big glaring issue last year, even though they gave up all the goals. They only had 31 goals last year, and Alan Cruz was their leading scorer with seven goals. So, um, you know, they've got guys that can actually score goals and, like I said earlier, maybe take some of the pressure off the defense. So they're going to get something figured out, I'm sure. But um, I don't necessarily get, think that it's going to be this, you know, great turnaround from last year, but I just don't see it being as bad. So two questions about the coach again. Is it, we, you said it might not have to be married to a four, three, three. Does it have to be a Dutch coach? And uh, um, I actually forgot the second part. So, so let's just focus on, let's actually move on. <laughs> Let's actually move on. Uh, last question for well, you tonight. Well, we are tonight. FC Cincinnati, Netherlands, so I could answer that. If you were, if you had to game plan against Johan de May and FC Cincinnati, what would you be focusing on this week? Uh, well, I mean, if the the easiest way to beat FC Cincinnati is the high press. Everyone has kind of seen that. Um, and, you know, or just even kind of sit, if, if you want to sit back, then just be ready to counter when, when your chances come, because that's really where they struggle is in the, the counterattacks. And um, yeah, just that's been there. I mean, even last year with a completely different roster, that was what they struggled with. And we already saw that um, the first team of the season, how, I mean, the first half against Red Bulls was just terrible. And uh, I think that really exposed, if, if you want to really punish this team, this is how you do it. So that would be my suggestion. All right. Hopefully DC United's new still in progress identity as a, a team that, that, builds from the back and presses a bit more um, see some life this weekend. Hopefully since, and you know, sorry to any Cincy fans listening, but hopefully that's uh, a good cure for what's been ailing Ben Olson's team so far this year, mm-hmm. Laurel Failer, Thank you for coming back on filibuster. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Um, well, I'm always on Twitter at Laurel Failer, So it's L A U R E L. He as a Paul, F as in Frank, A H L E R. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm always on there and I'm answering d- direct messages all the time too. So if you ever have a question, feel free to drop me a line and then you can read my content at theathletic.com. And if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, what the hell is wrong with you at this point? Um, <laughs> if, you, if you have the means, you should subscribe to The Athletic because it's well worth it. Find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially and you have the means, do so at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us on Twitter at filibuster podcast, or sorry, at filibuster DCU and at black and red U. The email is filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Too many things I'm trying to cram in here. Uh, you'd think I'd have just the muscle memory at this point, but no. It's only a month you get it together. <laughs> <laughs> Don't remind time change, Jason. I'm blaming the time change for this. 
download, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. And mostly just tell a friend about the show when you are at the bar to watch DC United play FC Cincinnati. Just mention that you got some intel about the the orange and blue from this here podcast. Uh, until next time, for Jason and Ben, I'm Adam thanking Laura one more time. Say goodbye, Jason. I, I know I said it in the last episode, but seriously, you got to wash your hands, people. you got to wash it. your hands do for real, 30 seconds. A job. Sing a song while you do it. There's even song generators to give you songs that aren't Happy Birthday. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>